0: Hello
1: Valparaiso, this is Allison Schutte, Willow Walsh, and Reagan Skaggs, and you're listening to
2: Welcome Project Radio. The Welcome Project collects first-person stories and pairs them with facilitated conversation to help participants forge stronger ties within and across communities
1: we envision a world in which people are curious about and actively seek to engage with those who are different from themselves
2: we are proudly underwritten by asana yoga center and roots market cafe two excellent ways to feel good this season they're located online at asanacenter.com and rootsmarketcafe.com theme music is provided by wvlp's very own paul schreiner thanks paul and today we bring you two stories from the Welcome Projects Archive titled, In My Own Skin and Looking for Value. And before I continue, we have a special guest with us today, Miss Data. Woohoo! <laughs> Data is the owner-director of Asana Yoga Center, and thank you so much for not only supporting our show, but for being with us today. My absolute pleasure. I don't know
3: how y'all feel at the end of the hour, but it is lovely to be here be with some wonderful people. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so should we start by learning a little bit yeah. about our underwriter? Isn't that a weird word? The sponsor <laughs> is so much nicer. I feel like underwriter is too close to undertaker or something Ooh, like that. What's the difference? Ooh, and
3: undermining.
0: Under, yes, let's not go under. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dana, I am one of your students Thankfully. and uh, really, really enjoy being in the studio again. It is open, right? Yeah, so yeah as of te-
3: September seven.
0: People can still take classes online, but they're also able to go to the studio.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of people during the pandemic found that um, being at home is really their their safe place uh, for uh, something as as deep as yoga is. Some people just feel better when they're in their own home, especially when we do our restorative classes, and it gives them a more safe space. Not to say that Asana Yoga Center is not a safe space, but... For those of us who are still reticent to join the real world it's a nice option yeah yeah um
0: it also i will just speak personally has been a delight to be back in the studio and feel the connection with the other students and then also have your direct attention which sometimes is honestly terrifying um but in the end is always like improving my practice so i appreciate that Um, could you just tell us a little bit about like how you came to um, either like being a yoga instructor or um, opening the studio
3: absolutely actually they're the two parts of that are actually in my opinion fairly interesting so oh golly back in the 90s those heady days um, there was a gentleman who came to town his name was Pablo, Pablo Jimenez and his wife Natasha and Pablo asked me one time if I could do some computer work for him and I did so it was wonderful and he said he didn't have any money could he pay me back in yoga and I was like well that's interesting I've always wanted to try this yoga thing and so I went to his class and I it was uh, myself and Katie Og at the time and we took a class from him and it was lovely and so I would go on Thursdays to go do yoga with him. Well, one Thursday I just went home and uh, I got a call from him Dana, where are you? <laughs> I go, oh yeah. <laughs> um, like friends is on and I'm just really tired. He goes, but I am waiting for you. And I was like, right there (laughs) so I ran down to the studio and took his took his class and then realized that was really where I needed to be and then eventually I started taking two two two-hour classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays so I would do four hours of yoga after work twice a week and it just kind of gets into your blood after Mm -hmm. that point and it's really hard to to get rid of so fast (laughs) forward to 2001 when um I was getting divorced from my practice husband and uh, the YMCA. <laughs> I know, that's, that's my own terms. <laughs> so uh, the YMCA actually called me and said, Hey, we understand you do yoga. Would you like to teach yoga? And I was like, I guess. And I started it off, and oh my gosh, it just took off like wildfire, wildfire and it really started to nourish my soul. And I just, felt fantastic and people were smiling when they would leave and I did that for a couple of years and then decided and and I was teaching out of my house and it got to the point where people were not leaving my house after oh, no. classes. <laughs> and I had a four-year-old and I'm like you know it, I really gotta take care of him so I I opened up the studio in 05 and uh my son uh has almost forgiven me for making him grow up at the yoga studio (laughs) Um, but it's been uh it's been wonderful ever since is it a great way to make money it is not (laughs) however i have been pretty much happy since 2005 uh doing what i do and i still love to see people smiling when they leave and texting me and emailing me and just saying that was wonderful oh We had a woman the other day who we talk about when people are out of control, a really great yoga thing to do is to fold them inward. We do these forward bends, and it it puts you deeper into yourself. And she said, my son, my uh, eight-year-old came home from school. He had been picked on that one day by the kid and he was just out of control she said and i i listened to your words and i just took him and i folded him in like a little burrito and just held him for a long time (laughs) and he just calmed down and said so thank you for for teaching me that i was like yeah that is why i'm here (laughs) you know so that's that's pretty much how that is
0: yeah great yeah well today um Uh, listeners uh, this is wvlp at 103.1 fm and also streaming online at wvlp.org and you're here with the listen up welcome project radio crew Um, and today we thought we would um, focus a bit back on gender we had a show on gender not too long ago and it's a topic that's well worth revisiting so um we're so delighted to have you with us, Dana, to just unpack these stories and have a good conversation. <laughs> and there might be an opportunity to circle back to yoga and thinking of that as something that you're doing uh, as a practice and also as a, uh, as a career or having, as, a, as a business owner having a studio. So that might circle back in. Do you want to introduce the story in any
2: particular way today, Willow? Uh, yeah, this first story um, is titled In My Own Skin, and this is um, an alumna from Valpa University.
4: I was born in Texarkana in Texas, it's a city near where Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas and Louisiana come together. When I first came to Valpo, I was really excited to be in a new place and to start college and out of all my friends I went the farthest away and I was proud of that decision and I owned it. And then on the first day of class, freshman year, I wore my cowboy hat and my boots, and by the end of the day, I just felt so discouraged. And I just wanted to go home so bad because I got inappropriate comments about, oh, so you're a cowgirl, you must like to ride. They assumed that I was automatically uneducated or racist, homophobic, sexist all of these other things just because I was from the South, which felt like an unfair judgment to me because I came to a new place not trying to judge anybody, and I got a bunch of judgment. Even though sometimes I still feel like people look at me funny for wearing my hat or when my accent slips out or when I talk about my small-town Southern experiences, I know that there are places on campus I can find and groups of people who do cherish me and value me for me. I would say I really feel like I belong when I'm working with animals because rehabilitating animals is one of my passions. The animals don't care who I'm friends with or what grade I've gotten on a test or what group I'm in, what my accent sounds like, what I wear, all they care about is that I feed them and take care of them and meet their needs in whatever way I can. My career goal is to be a state game warden, which is a conservation officer, basically the police of the woods and the water. And then we also help with injured animals, injured wildlife, if they can be rehabilitated. Sometimes you just have to put the animal out of its misery. I definitely heard when I started pursuing this career field that I can't do it. I can't do it because I'm a woman. I can't do it because I'm too emotional and soft hearted. And I think it's the exact opposite. I think those are the reasons I can do it. If you care about animals, you're going to do what's best for them. And if it's the choice of you having to suffer a little so that they don't have to suffer at all anymore, or them suffering a lot and you having to watch that, the obvious choice is ending their suffering. I don't think of emotions as a bad thing. Sure, there are officers who aren't emotional, and that's fine. I was told as a senior in high school that all you need to do the job of a police officer well is passion for the job. There are people who think I can do it, and I know I can do it. And then there are always going to be those people who think that emotions are bad and make me unstable and mean that I'm going to be crying in the middle of an arrest or something like that. And that's not true.
0: You're listening to Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio with me, Allison Schutte, Willow Walsh, Reagan Skaggs, and today our special guest, Dana Darr. So where would
2: you like to start today, Willow? Um, So would it make sense to bring in the additional passage from the speaker now? Okay. So um, further along in the interview, this part was actually left out of our radio edit, but I'd like to just read this and give you some more words from the speaker that she included in her interview. She says, I really had to work to be confident in my own skin and... I even had a sorority recruitment counselor tell me not to wear my cowboy hat to sorority recruitment events because it might make other people feel uncomfortable, but luckily I had a kind of upperclassman who said, be yourself, we want to see that, and any sorority that's worthy of you will accept you. I definitely get a lot of that, that I'm an emotional woman. I think that we don't talk about mental health things, people fear emotion. It's so easy to write someone off as emotional when we don't want to acknowledge that their points are valid. If one of my friends or one of the younger women I mentor came to me and said that something upset them, I would tell them that they're justified in their emotions. Then I have to allow myself to be justified too, and I can't let anyone else tell me that being emotional is a bad thing because I don't think it is. So that's the additional excerpt from the interview. Great, yeah. And I think that ties really nicely with the sort of like, I don't know, when we were picking these stories, I was really like drawn to this one because she talks about like, I don't know this idea of like women being too emotional but then like i don't know she brings in her gender and emotions a lot but i i I think there's a lot of value in this story when she kind of turns around and talks about it as like this is this is a positive thing for this career why do people not think that this is helpful so okay so then i guess let me back up so then my first question maybe is what do you think i don't know draws her to want to do this job and and maybe why she thinks that that she can be, um, a game warden.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, she talks about passion, which is super important, ideally for almost any career, you know, hope you like it, hope you enjoy it. Um, but I think the big thing is like, she says passion, but I would say compassion. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) just because, I mean, especially when it comes to, like, being a game warden. From what I understand of the career path, and I actually knew this person who was interviewed, so this is, like, a little bit of a fun, surreal experience. Um, A lot of it is you are protecting the land. Um, You are maintaining the land. You are maintaining the space, both for the animal, like, Faction of that land and for the people part part of that land and part of maintaining that land is allowing things like hunting and fishing assuming that's that kind of situation but also like being respectful like taking only what you need um, not poaching not taking things that are endangered like being aware of yourself as a human being in a naturalistic space and i don't understand how empathy could be a detriment in that it seems so important to one have empathy for like especially in this instance a non-human animal um, that may be suffering or that may be as a population is suffering due to like habitation loss as well as like the people who are there who are enjoying it that land even if it's not in the way that you would enjoy that land I think that's a very important aspect
0: I mean I think it's interesting that you're defining emotion and as empathy because I think when People say too emotional they mean something very different, Quite different. <laughs> like, <laughs> like how how when you've heard that that phrase before too emotional like what do you think people are meaning by that
3: oh for crying out loud how many times have people said a woman could never be president because if she was on her period yeah. she might hit the red button and start a nuclear war right <laughs> yeah. which is ridiculous because we all know when you're president as a woman you're too old to have your period <laughs> okay so, so let's just get over you wouldn't that. have to be though no, no you wouldn't no 35 35
1: no. Yeah. but let's pretend that men also don't have a hormonal cycle and that's yeah, just part right. of right. being right. A thing right. that lives <laughs> I think even viruses have a version of a hormonal cycle.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is, not to like really just draw it right down the middle, but if you use the term emotional, for women, it generally means unstable. It means that we can't control ourselves. Whereas if they say that a man is emotional, it's really celebrated because Mm -hmm. it's so unexpected. Yeah, it goes Mm -hmm. against the norm. Correct. And that it almost like gives them an advantage Mm. over things. Where women are so often defined as you have emotions because you are supposed to be a nurturer, you're supposed to be a helper, you are supposed to be motherly, which is very, very true. And yet it sounds so demeaning. It sounds like like being emotional almost demeans those qualities that are wonderful qualities in people. And when I, I listened to this woman talking about showing her compassion for animals and how if you have an animal that's in pain and you've tried to rehabilitate and do this you have to make a rational choice but it's also an emotional choice to help something get out of its suffering and i think that that, that's just a uh that's such a bonus sensation to look at things not just from a a cold Mm. you know this is the way it's got to be done point of view but to to actually understand and and make that hard choice for other people or for the animal mm-hmm. it's it's so I think emotions play a wonderful role in especially something like that
0: yeah I think that our you're getting at this like our society tends to think that reason and emotion are two separate yeah faculties and two separate parts of our lives and if we're using one we're not using the other which is Ridiculous, <laughs> right, right, right. And that example she gives of like, well, if I'm seeing something suffer, so I'm feeling an emotion, like that leads me to want to end their suffering, and that allows my reason to yeah. make a choice to put them down so that they're not that not any longer suffering. So it's a perfect example of how those two aspects of being human, like, have to actually or how they operate together
3: so often. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And. You know, if you talk about having passion for your job and they're saying, you know, as long as you have the passion, you can be succeed. Well, passion only has to go along with emotion. If you ask me, you can't rationally just want to do a job and get up and, well, today I'm going to go and, you know, do this and this and this and this. If you're not excited to do your job, if you don't have a passion for your job, if you don't have the emotion for that, are you going to even be successful? And... Boy, this has so many components to it. <laughs> Gracious, more more than I think I, we really need to unpack here, but if in our particular world if success cannot be coupled with emotion, you know, do you live to work, do you work to live? It seems to me you spend so much part of your day working, wouldn't you want the emotional component to be there? Hmm. Am I digressing? No. Oh.
0: Okay. And and or if you are, digression is welcome. <laughs>
3: all right, all right, all right. Well, I'm very good at that. Very good at it.
0: <laughs> I think the other interesting part of this is the job is. I mean, she says state game warden at one point. She says conservation officer at another point, and then she just uses the word officer, which I just automatically have associations with police officers. So mm-hmm. that brings to mind a certain person, whereas game warden brings to mind like a certain uniform, I guess. But just that term officer, I feel like in our culture is so it's gendered male. And then it's also gendered authority, which we tend to think means like rigid, disciplinary. But I feel like some of the conversations our culture has been having about policing, whether it would be for a city um, or for a state park, um, like, are we starting to understand that a good officer actually needs that authority to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like measured by emotion, right? Like, mm-hmm. or, or compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe compassion is a better word. Like, why do we think the best officer is going to be a punitive officer right. as opposed to a relational officer? What happens if we have officers in whatever field thinking of themselves first and foremost as I'm a relationship builder as opposed to somebody who's going to be punitive mm-hmm. um so I just think that's interesting too because that term officer seems to in my mind like it's just conditioned male like that's all I can see and then I just start thinking about top-down authority as sure. opposed to like a cross authority <laughs> where, where right.
3: you're connecting right
0: with right. other people
3: well it- Honestly, I would, I would think that in its purest form, an officer would be really more of a steward of, you know, something that takes care of and makes sure that um, certain rules or norms are followed and that people don't get hurt or animals or, or uh, land or whatever. So, because when you do think of officer, and especially now, it, it is, it's quite a harsh um, concept. And, you know, it's just very interesting. Steward sounds much more mm-hmm. motherly than yeah. than officer, mm-hmm. yeah. which, you know, I don't even know where I'm going with that. That's okay. That yeah. was enough. Yeah. I mean,
0: because I think, I think that's, that's part of it too, right? Like um, the language we use sets up a certain kind of picture and expectation. And so if our language includes... Um, more feminine gendered roles then it automatically expands our expectation of who can be in that role truly so the truly. language is really important mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. yeah you're listening to listen up welcome project radio and we're here today with dana dar who's the owner of asana yoga center and one of our underwriters we're so happy to have her with us today and we're talking about um A woman that graduated from Valparaiso University and we've been discussing her interest in being a game warden and how um people have thought her emotional life might get in the way of being able to do that well and I don't necessarily want to back off that too much but Mm -hmm. I am really I just I'm curious about the cowboy hats and the cowboy hat and boots um
3: (laughs) which is to go all the way back to
0: the beginning of the story um and I wonder like what you all made of like how is she experiencing those being used against her or, and like how, what does she think they mean for her mm-hmm. when she first comes to Valparaiso University?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, she says right out, you know, like when I wear my my cowboy hat and my boots, people will automatically assume that she's uneducated, racist, homophobic, sexist, and all these other things, and she's kind of surprised because she receives all of this judgment. But assuming that if she shows up as herself, she's not going to get judgment, so I think she kind of becomes surprised by that. But I mean, I have to be honest, I would fall under this category. Oh, yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I just FaceTimed my dad yesterday, and he's like sporting like the, he's got a bald head and like a full beard, and I'm like, I'm gonna be honest, if I saw you at the grocery store, I'm steering clear of you. Like, <laughs> and so it's like, so I think that there's this weird thing that's happening, and that, she's experiencing this judgment but it's this really harsh judgment when in like for me if I were to avoid her it would be like I'm going to protect myself I don't know what this person is like there's a few cues here I don't know if I'm going to be full for this person but the way she experiences it is so different and that it's not this sort of avoidance it's this sort of like active people trying to tear her down which I think is really interesting like this like active like because you're wearing these things I'm going to make these assumptions about you
3: well, and it's kind of crazy because I think now I am considerably older than both of you, uh, and a little older than Nelson. Not but, too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like we have made such strides in accepting people's uh, appearances. You know, I'm I'm looking at both of you, lovely <laughs> girls, and back in my day, that would not have. Flown at What are all. you
0: noticing just because we're on radio? Oh, that's right, so we are on radio. So I'm
3: <laughs> seeing dyed hair. I'm seeing, you know, a great acceptance with a wide range of clothing from, a, and tattoos, right? Yeah, the piercings, <laughs> the, uh, some makeup, but also a lack of makeup. You know, back in the 80s, girl, you didn't wear your makeup. Hmm, right? What happened to you? Were you doing the walk of shame? I don't know. But, um, so I feel like we've made great strides in that way in that you guys can look the way that you do, you know? Uh um this lovely lady has has a nose piercing right next to me and again that didn't fly when I was younger. But then to accept these kind of extremes, but then this this oh, what's the word I'm looking for? This uh conceit that's been here for forever, right? The the cowboy cowboy mm-hmm. cowgirl kind mm-hmm. of thing like that why is that threatening when it's been around for forever? And I don't even know if really threatening is the word. I would imagine people treated her more like a pet than than as a threat. Uh, because people get very enamored with this, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. But... Uh, but I, I find it that it's interesting that that what I would almost call a more normalized look, you know, she's not I mean, unless she's got the spurs on and the rope on the <laughs> side, you know, she's not l- necessarily looking for attention or looking to hmm. overly express herself. This is just who she is. And I don't know if it's because on the, the quite outskirts of society, why that doesn't fly when... We're so used to seeing all kinds of other what I would define crazy things.
0: Yeah, I think it can't be taken, or we can't forget that it in Northwest Indiana, even though Southern Indiana often either they themselves want to self-identify as from the South or Northern Indiana Hoosiers, Northern Hoosiers see Southern Indiana as south. Yeah, But I definitely think because our campus is in the north, that the, um, I don't think, like my assumption is that her experience isn't that she's presenting in ways that we would normal we, like we once thought of tattoos as rebellious, right? And sure. now they're kind of more normalized because people from all sorts of different walks of life wear- have tattoos and the cowboy hat has been around, like you said, for a really long time, but it's still a symbol. And in this case, in the North, it's going to trigger certain assumptions that northerners have about southerners and i can't Mm -hmm. help but think some of that is related to um stuff that eventually would get back to race and and enslavement and the civil war and southern culture and wanting to claim a confederacy as a cultural identity as opposed to um having something to do with like really an anti-black uh agenda so I think that she's probably experiencing the fact that most of the students at Valparaiso University are not coming from the South, and so I, I mean I think that I don't I didn't even realize biases that I had against Southerners until I started meeting Southerners who then would trigger the assumptions. Like I don't know that I would have gone with homophobic, um, but I definitely would have probably gone with racist. Um, or I would have had specific concerns about how they understood race that I thought they might need to be educated about. <laughs> Ooh, yes, yes. Um, and the uneducated thing is interesting too because I think the accent—we um, have this like normative midwestern accent that tends to get—I don't know, maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's not midwestern. Like I'm thinking about like the news anchors, TV you know, speak. like what yeah. is that like? Average. That wonderfully
1: flat way of speaking. <laughs> yes, just stripped out of all.
0: Uh, you, know, you don't want to
3: place them anywhere. Yeah, in the, um, in the US.
0: yeah, and so like that um, deviation from the norm. Like, why is that associated with stupidity or yeah. ignorance? It's just like a strange, like. I'm like, how did that even
1: arrive in my brain as, like, a bias? <laughs> well, do you...
3: Oh, go ahead. Answer. Oh, sorry.
1: Well, I, okay, so I'm not from Valparaiso, Indiana. Oh. I am from slightly east of here. Um, and I would say that there is, like, one, I wanted to make this clear. I like this person who did this interview. I like Willow and Allison, <laughs> like, <laughs> myself. Um, but being, like, part of a subculture um, and... Than getting kind of upset that you're getting noticed for being part of I do think part of a subculture I do think is an indication of white privilege especially in this particular instance huh. um, and I would say the same thing for myself and I get upset when rude old men come up to me in the store and tell me that I should not be having my tattoos and my piercings there you, and go. My you look hair. like a
2: pumpkin you look yeah like it's, it's really
1: but the fact of the matter is is that's an annoyance it's not holding me back in my life um mm. but it, it's a choice I'm making with my appearance like this is a privilege that I have to look this way and it, it makes me happy to look this way but it is a privilege I would say oh. um at least in this particular instance there are other subcultures I would argue for differently like obviously like if you are an an Indian person wearing a sari and you're getting native attention like there are racial connotations to that Um, etc. etc. But I do want to say that you are right with even me being like an hour east of here, the Indiana Southern thing of like no, we're south is very common. And I definitely have that association. I have family members who dress very like quote unquote like cowboy and all this other fun stuff, and they do fall into those categories, unfortunately. Um, I also have a Southern... I, my, both my grandparents are from the South. They're from... Well, Southwest, from New Mexico and uh, Arkansas. And my grandma says Yankee, like it is a slur today. Oh, so oh there is, like, there is something there that <laughs> yeah. I don't fully understand as somebody who has always grown up in the North, but that I understand like having this connection. I do understand that there is... Some kind of divide there, and part of that, you know, with cultural indicators such as, like, your cowboy boots and your hat, especially at a university like Valparaiso, which is, like, mostly upper class, like, I had similar struggles, different ones, because I'm not a cowboy, Um, but... (laughs) You know, that, I think I would chalk this more down to class than anything else, honestly.
0: So we're going to unpack that further <laughs> <laughs> after I remind listeners that this is LP at 103.1 FM in Valparaiso, community-supported radio, also streaming live from WVLP.org. We rely on donations from individuals, businesses like Asana Center Yoga, Asana Yoga Center, <laughs> um, and other organizations in order to continue to spread the word that ongoing, volunteer-driven local media leads to a better community. So please consider supporting the station by visiting the website wvlp.org support. Donations are tax-deductible, and we would sure appreciate it here at Listen Up. Welcome, Project Radio. So today, we are um, digging in deep to how, uh, at this point, we're talking about appearances, <laughs> <laughs> and how appearances uh, bring on various uh, judgments, um, some of which we might have anticipated, some of which we might not have anticipated. And uh, we're even starting to ask questions about, like if we feel judged, when do we have to recognize there's some privilege around, like feeling hurt by that. I guess I'd love to know more, Reagan, how you were um, thinking of her reaction as as something uh, related to her privilege that she's not owning, maybe. Or
1: so I guess when it comes to like she's talking about like one i would say that the assumption that southern people are stupid like that is not an asset of privilege for her like that is a a, def, a general deficit that a lot of people from the south white people included from the south have to deal with um i think especially of like appalachian people and their uh, yeah, struggles yeah. with that like that is a very real thing there is very much something to being a poor white person in the south i'm not trying to say that they have the same privilege as me as like a lower middle class person in the north Okay. because uh, again there's that class and that that culture that comes with being of that class and that isolation there is something to that i am not an expert i cannot unpack that further but i know that there is (laughs) there is a nebulous thing there but when she talks about the other things the other assumptions about her that she's racist that she's homophobic that she's um i don't know some other southern stereotypes i can think of are like that they would be very religious Hmm. um Maybe she adds sexist. Yep, sexist if you're a man, at least. Maybe also if you're a woman, because women definitely have internalized misogyny. That's a whole journey. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But like that kind of thing. I think that you're allowed to be upset by that. Like we're talking about emotions, and like I'm very into validating emotions, but what matters is what you do with that. And I don't think she's doing anything bad with that, but I would say that you are intentionally making your identity x y and z way there are connotations with that which you can work to dispel like again as a person with piercings and tattoos and fun hair dye and a lesbian like i love kids i babysit kids all the time sometimes the people don't want me to watch their kids That kind of thing, it it's hurtful. It's not nice. It's not kind. Um, but it doesn't materially impact me for the most part in a way that it would if I were like a person of color who is trying to express their nationality, their ethnicity, um, and we're facing discrimination in that way. Because this is a choice. I don't have to have dyed hair. Like a man who is of the Sikh religion has to have a beard and has to wear a turban. Mm. Like there is a very different. I guess that's where I'm coming from is this is the the option of choice is where the privilege comes in for me so the option of choice of wearing those things and like not having any real consequences whereas like it was really common for um African Americans back in the day and including now um where the focus was really to dress and look a certain way so that you would be viewed as correctly like African American that's a very different experience and and lifestyle than like I colored my hair, and sometimes old men are rude to I me in the know. grocery store. I want to
0: push back a little bit on that. okay, because I I feel like, as somebody who also colors her hair, <laughs> <laughs> blue, like for me, it's so deeply connected to identity. and I, I, I hear at least this storyteller, there's something about the cowboy hats and boots that also feels deeply connected to her identity um in a way that like she says um you know she was the one that went farthest away from like her hometown maybe of like her group of friends or whatever and so she was proud of that decision i owned it and on the first day of class went as like my southern self which for her means the cowboy hat and the boots um so i don't know if it's as clear-cut as like a choice um I do think that there's something I hear in what you're saying about how people react to the way that I present my identity is something that I need to additionally take responsibility for. Um, not like, not like I brought on the Mm -hmm. judgment or that I am the cause or, um, it's my fault that people are biased, But um, if I'm not going to put myself in a victim role, then then I need to be like, this is the environment I'm in. Oh, I just learned this thing. I mean, I'm assuming that's how she Mm -hmm.
1: experienced
0: this moment. She's like, oh, I'm not in a place now. And so from then on, she has more information about what it's going to mean to have blue hair or wear a cowboy hat. So at that point, then it's I still don't know if I'm comfortable with the word choice, but you have more information for like how to navigate your world and mm-hmm. and set of expectations about how you might be encountered. And then it's like today, do I feel like dealing with that? Mm-hmm. No, okay, well I won't wear my cowboy hat today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I don't know, like what do you all think,
2: <laughs> Willow and Dana? Like. Well, there was something, Reagan, that you said that made me think about a tweet, which I was trying to find it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, but I I can't find it. But there's something that I think is so interesting about this sort of like, I don't know, this like targeting of her expression as like a southern cowgirl kind of person and that I read this tweet and I want to be able to say it more articulately but essentially it's talking about like we don't understand how much northern racism relies on believing that the south is infinitely more racist Mm -hmm. than the north Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. and so something about that too I wonder is like is that like another northern person type privilege to be like well this person wears a cowboy hat and boots well they must be x y and z and does that sort of alleviate some of I don't know the culpability of us in the north to Mm. be like well this person because they look this way you know they're the bad ones they're the ones you know who are on the quote-unquote wrong side of history type of thing and so it kind of alleviates this sort of culpability that we're kind of understanding in the way that she's receiving Mm. all these judgments because you know she's not these things but the person who's calling her homophobic and racist and uneducated, you know, that's some red flags for me in terms of their behavior, but they're sort of alleviating it by, like, well, because she looks like that, she must be this bad person, when in reality the person slinging these sort of judgments at her is actually more questionable. Yeah, I don't know. That's what it made me think about.
3: Well, it kind of makes me start to think about um, uh, immigrants coming in and... um, one of the largest complaints that I hear about immigrants coming in is that they won't adapt to our—they won't adapt to our mm-hmm. culture. They insist on wearing these funny clothes, right? They insist on praying five times a day. They insist on uh, getting together in these large groups, and we all are prejudiced against that. And I'm not quite sure why we have this great need to be so homogenous. Um, but it it kind of makes me start to think about that that it's really not just a north south thing but it's anything that is not accepted within this specific area i know that when i travel and this is when i travel i do my darnest tr- to try to fit into the place where i'm going to okay so when i went to india first thing i did i go and buy you know i don't want to offend anyone so i bought some uh, Indian clothing, however you want to call that. Um, a couple saris and whatnot. Uh, maybe because I didn't want to call attention to myself, but mostly because I wanted to like really be into that, be, be in a part of this culture. Um, but I couldn't help, of course, the fact that I have this uh, almost translucent skin, right? <laughs> it, it was a hard thing to hide when I was over there. So... It makes me wonder if was she trying to make a statement with these things? Was she deliberately pushing against what she knew the reaction was going to be? Uh, You know, maybe not wanting to start a conversation, but certainly putting herself out there. If you know that you are going to be the eccentric in the room... There's a lot of responsibility with with um, of uh, understanding what your role is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Boy, that was circular. <laughs> um, but here's the other thing that I think of is that I think of this this young lady on her first day at VU wearing cowboy boots and hat, and I'm like, it's the middle of August, maybe you have. Maybe. (laughs) Everyone's just worried about you being hot. I don't know. (laughs) I I think the comment, oh, so you're a cowgirl,
0: you must like to ride. Well, there's that problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Indicates that they might not be
1: worried about her body temperature. (laughs) Well, okay,
3: there's that. There's that. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, real quick, can I? You are all three correct. (laughs) You are all three correct. Like, absolutely. Like, the North tries to justify its what it's perceived this is not actuality it's perceived lack of racism by kind of pinning the south down identity and choice in regards to how you look is like so important like I have tattoos on my body because it makes me more interested in having a body like that's very important for me you know like it's I like it myself better with the the way that I look now and like you're 100% right like why should we be encouraging homogenousness my point that I was trying to make isn't that the white privilege comes from you are choosing to look this way and that is your fault it comes from the way that she's internalizing it Hmm. so like this is holding me back in a significant way which I really doubt that that would be the case is where I'm coming Hmm. from just like if I said that like I don't know it's just it's similar to to me when um, I was first getting involved in like alternative communities, I'm vaguely goth, only vaguely.
3: Um, and <laughs> We're black every other day. Yeah, yeah. today I'm colorful.
1: But there's was like the, again, this is just off the beaten path. I'm so sorry, but there is like a huge community of like younger women that I knew that are like, yeah, I've decided I'm a witch now, and they're like super into like whatever mythology. Well, the issue there lies is that North uh, Norse, not North. Norse mythology is heavily associated with white supremacy. Yeah. So it is fair to look at somebody who's super into Norse mythology and do a do a moment of like, okay, I need to really assess is is this person doing this out of a sense of like um, culture, out of fun, out of history, out of interest in mythology, or is this person a white supremacist? That double look is justified, hmm. I guess, is what I'm getting hmm. at. And if you are going mm-hmm. to practice that you need to understand that this is the culture in which your anti-culture exists Hmm. I guess is where I'm coming at so like when I as a person who exists in a town that is mostly conservative walk around looking the way I look I understand that the the stereotypes about me are very uncomfortable for them so it's not even about me and if I internalize that I'm only doing harm to myself and it would be, I think, a certain level of inappropriate for me to make a huge deal about the way that I'm being perce- that I'm perceiving "quote unquote" discrimination against myself because I'm not truly impacted in that way.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, this is listen up. Welcome, Project Radio. I'm Allison Schutte, here with Willow Walsh and Reagan Skaggs, and today Dana Dar from Asana Yoga Center, and uh, we're really trying to understand like. <laughs> Uh, individual's uh, role in how they respond when they receive prejudice um so i and did you want to say something dana because it looked like you did yeah i
3: did and so you mentioned the norse mythology thing Mm -hmm. and um the way that that is perceived here's something very interesting my son is huge into Norse mythology. He, you, you talk about Vikings. He knows about Vikings. Mm-hmm. He's also six foot ten. He has blonde curly hair to the middle of his back. He wears a Thor hammer. But when people talk to him about Norse mythology, white supremacists or anything like that don't even come in. They go, dude you so are a viking look Mm. at you and they just think it's so cool Mm -hmm. because he looks this role Mm -hmm. but if i did my hair up like lagertha from you know if you've ever watched vikings or if i went around with a thor hammer something like that i think people would have a much Mm. different response to me i don't think anyone would think it was really really cool that i'm in the vikings it would be it would be more sexualized. It would be, you know, whoa! I, uh, why don't you come and I don't know, try to rape my culture or mm-hmm. something like that, right? It would be, it would be considerably different. And what's hysterical is he and I look exactly the same. So, being a woman just. I think people look at things differently that way. You know, I'm looking at both of you, and all three of you, honestly. I'm, you should see how bland I am. No. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, when you ladies all stick out. But if you think about the men who are walking around looking... so I'm thinking about a uh, a young man who showed up at Valpo University wearing boots and a cowboy hat. He's going to get a totally different reaction mm. than this young lady did. He He's not going to have people looking down on him or thinking that he's stupid, if anyway, he might possibly even be a little revered. He's He's extra manly. He's extra... Exactly, which is, of course, a stereotype (laughs) that a... um, uh, You know, so then it goes down to bits of misogyny and, uh, and, and that. But how interesting... Because if I saw a man that had this crazy hair and and crazy and all these piercings (laughs) and things like that, I would instantly be a little frightened of that guy. Mm -hmm. And I see you guys and I don't have that at all. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And for me, it's almost I would say I think I talked to Willow about this the other day. Like uh, we were joking about because it's very common for LGBT people to uh, be alternative in some way so <laughs> for sure, for sure. I think it comes with like the feeling of difference and all this other fun I was I was almost a sociology major so I'm overly into but um <laughs> and this feeling of difference and then like finding difference and like a, a space in which you feel safe and like fun in difference uh, I think that's where like a lot of like mm-hmm. LGBT people I think that's why a lot of them like are attracted to tattoos and hair dyeing and piercings and all this other fun stuff. Um, But I was talking, again, I think to Willow, it might have been somebody else, about how other people, yeah, they have that reaction when they see a man or a woman or somebody who they can't quite tell their gender. um, And they have this crazy hair and they have tattoos and they have like a piercing or whatever how most people yeah they're uncomfortable like in my hometown like my mom would be uncomfortable with that and my mom is a wonderful lady and I look like this um but I see that person I'm like oh how wonderful like a friend a potential friend is in the room so it's it's all well but that's what I'm saying it's like it's all about this difference in where we're at and like I think what you talked about with your your son versus you in Norse mythology like we're getting into like the intersections of identity how they intersect how they cross all this other fun stuff like, well, not fun. It's kind of depressing, but
3: Interesting. Okay. Interesting.
1: Interesting. it can be
0: celebrated. Yeah. We tend to make it a problem. Yeah. Well, yeah,
3: there's that.
1: Yes. So there's just, you know, there's that facet that also exists, you know, I guess is just what I'm saying.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I think, I mean, I think part of this too is like, I wonder if she were to have this reaction and take off the cowboy hat and boots on day one, what would she miss out on? And for me, I think it's like, well, she wouldn't receive judgment, but we learn from her. She says, "I was able to find places on places on campus and mm-hmm. groups of people who cherish and value me." Mm-hmm. And I think if she wasn't embodying herself, she wouldn't have found those places. Yeah. Sure. And so I think that's why there is that sort of like gay checklist, which is like, why well, I still <laughs> gay think it's checklist. I still think it's so funny that, that Allison like doesn't like you don't seem outwardly queer but like when i walked in the room i was like she's got blue hair she's got a nose piercing i was like yeah it's short i'm like that's a gay lady yeah like that's my people Mm -hmm. and even
1: if they're not gay they're usually cool (laughs) yeah yeah because so many of their friends are gay they're like oh cool yeah so it's like almost automatic safe person but other
2: people like safety (laughs) checklist
1: like my grandma would be like "Mm, I don't know about all that. Like, I showed... I have a tattoo of a sunflower. It is the most mild tattoo. (laughs) It is a white girl tattoo. Uh It is just regular degular on my cap i can hide it really easily my grandma looked at that she said oh i don't know if you're gonna get married now like not even joking like i am an unsafe person to a good christian boy
3: now because of the way i
1: look and like it's just all about perception but like if i let that bother me you know to the extent where i'm like well i can't dress this way or i can't look this way like i'm only hurting myself Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i think one of the things that we're also hitting on, I don't know if I can be articulate about this, (laughs) is um, the difference between being an individual, and most of us experience ourselves as individuals and want to be seen as an individual, Um, at the same time, we actually are parts of social groups, Mm -hmm. and some of those are um, not deliberately chosen, but um, appearance-wise, we can uh, like put that on, or we can choose to pass and be more in the normative, Mm -hmm. whatever that is for the community that we're in. Um, Okay, so we are individuals. We want to be seen as individuals, and yet we're always going to be part of social groups, too. And then depending on what the norm is, you're going to be judged for that off and on. So I heard this storyteller thinking just about herself as an individual because she even, at least for this interview— was connecting it to like not finding friends when she lived in the south where supposedly she should have belonged with her cowboy hat mm-hmm. and her boots. Mm-hmm. And so she's coming to college tr- expecting college is a place where I will belong. And then she learns very quickly that this particular part of herself is has her ostracized Im- immediately. And she inter- she's taking that into like that and um, Individual identity and talks about having to learn to be confident in her own skin. Um, And she gets there and then she finds, like Willow, you were pointing out, like her people Mm -hmm. that do care for her and um, appreciate her for who she is. And then Reagan, you're pointing out like the social group dynamic part of it that I don't think she's really paying attention to Mm -hmm. in this story. But I bet if she was here talking with us, like, would be all about like unpacking that part of it too so I think for Americans in particular because we're such we're, we're taught and conditioned to be individuals and think that individualism is like the priority value over anything related to groups and um, that it's it's just really hard for us to marry our individual and social group identities and like navigate mm-hmm. <laughs> all of that especially in an environment where you might be the odd person out yeah
1: i just i don't know this is just something that has made my life personally easier it's just understanding that the way that i am even before like i think when willow and i met i don't think i read as gay at all um hey i said me Oh, okay yeah not you i knew you were <laughs> i looked, gay. Yeah, no, I I looked, looked gay no i looked at you and i knew um <laughs> but i didn't look gay like i have very long hair still um it's a fun color now before i think it was my natural color or if it wasn't it would have been like a darker brown or black i only had my ears pierced and i never wore earrings um i the nose piercing's new tattoos are new I have, I am, I am the person, I'm the speaker in the situation. I have found comfort hmm. in this particular identity, and I no longer feel the need to, like, I would talk myself out of getting tattoos and all this other fun stuff because of X, Y, and Z reasons. Um, so I get it to an extent. Like, I, obviously, I'm not from the south, but what I am saying is just like, you know, that's going to be a journey for us all. And understanding yeah. that I am part of a social group, and that is part of what stopped me for a long time is like, I am a woman in a group and i'm trying to establish myself as an intellectual and i can't be taken seriously Mm -hmm. if i have colored hair people are going to think i'm stupid and now it's like well they're going to think what they're going to think i am what i am intrinsically which is that wonderful american individualism in me and (laughs) so i understand that i'm part of a social group and i understand how i personally think of myself as part of like a social category um and I can walk through the world with that understanding of how a general idea, I, how, how others are going to perceive me, but I am comfortable with myself and understanding that, yeah, the double takes sometimes in the grocery stores yeah. are warranted.
3: Okay. So, but if you are in, um, let's say you are in a situation where you don't find your people. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say you go to, I don't even know where, let's say Oklahoma, just for fun, and um, and you don't see your people there. I'm, I'm just wondering what your perception would be of yourself at that point. Because as much as we celebrate individual, individuality and as much as we are taught to be independent, at the same time there is that part of us that mm-hmm. wants to be part of yeah, the absolutely. group. Yeah, yeah. So I just wonder... You know, uh, so this young lady with a cowboy hat, you know, I can just picture her like, mm-hmm. do I wear it? Do I not wear it? Do I, all right, maybe on Tuesdays, you know, kind <laughs> of thing. But, uh, and I'm thinking of you as saying, you know, I, I recognize, I, I perceive gay and I perceive, uh, alternative. But if you're the only one, mm-hmm. let's say on a campus, like, like VU, which of course is not, you know, but, uh. I just wonder how you would behave in that instance, how you Mm -hmm. would feel. Would you feel loud and proud and strong, or would you go, perhaps I should temper Mm -hmm. a little bit?
1: Well, the answer is, of course, I would say I would temper. But like what I come back from is, okay, I i'm a lot i acknowledge this now before i say this i apologize (laughs) i read this book by karen armstrong it's really good um but it was about the abrahamic faiths and like extremism within all three abrahamic faiths and one of the things that she talked about that just really stuck in my brain is back in the day you if you lived in like renaissance era italy and you were not a catholic you could not survive Um, you would be excommunicated not just from the church but that means from the community that means from cities that uh, if they've had the time because this is Renaissance Italy we're talking about if they've had the time in rural areas and heard about you you will be excommunicated there there is there was a literal inability to survive if you were not a a decent enough Catholic in Renaissance Italy that kind of thing we do not live in that world now Um, if we lived in 1950s America You know, yeah, I would probably be not allowed in any way to look like this. But the fact of the matter is, is like, we don't live in that time period anymore. We are, I like to think, progressing forward as people, even to the point where like wearing stupid clothes and (laughs) dyeing your hair and having piercings doesn't hugely detriment your livelihood um, and your ability to live. So, like, I'm always coming at it from that perspective of like choice and community. And what it means to be excluded from a community versus what it means to be excluded from a subgroup. Like, I understand where the speaker is coming from, where she talks about having discomfort in a sorority, looking the way she does. Because in the North, like we were talking about with the cowboy thing, being more associated with like a masculinity, maybe like an outdoorsiness. I... Um, maybe the confederacy The con- oh yeah the confederacy but um, it's a sorority but anyway sorry that i
3: should have said that but- oh my heavens! there's a whole nother topic sorry
1: <laughs> <laughs> but i understand like one of the i had a couple friends in sororities one of the biggest things. some of my best friends okay yeah. <laughs> what i mean is like one of the biggest things in sororities is looking the same Right, like that is whether or not they will acknowledge it. That is a huge value. That's how they take pictures. That's how they advertise themselves. It's all these events in which you are looking the same. You are trying to act the same. You have a a sororities especially have a much higher standard of behavior than a fraternity does. Like, Hmm. I understand why anybody in any way sticking out, like this speaker with her cowboy hat, somebody who's colored hair. I knew a lesbian in a sorority who really struggled because she wasn't typically feminine in the same way that the other girls were. I get it. That sucks. But exclusion from a subculture is not the same as exclusion from a culture, I guess, is also where I would come from.
0: So we are going to have to leave it there. Oh, my.
1: (laughs) Nice. Nice final
0: word. No. And and, I mean, this is true for all of our conversations. We're always ending in the middle, which is why you should keep tuning in. Um, And we also hope that you might consider checking out... um, VALPO's, uh, sorry, WVLP's new six-part documentary that's been airing this week. And over the next six weeks, it's called VALPOC And it tells the story of VHS underrepresented students at the high school in their own words. Tonight is the last opportunity to hear the first episode live on WVLP. So that's tonight from 9 to 10 p.m. But don't fear, the documentary is also going to be offered via Spotify. So you can go to Spotify.com and use the keyword V-A-L-P-O-C and then the plus sign, VALPOC plus. Um, And then also episode two airs on WVLP Monday the 11th from 9 to 10. So again, over the next six weeks, you have this opportunity to hear from more VALPA residents from the high school about their experience as underrepresented students. Um, Really valuable stuff. So uh, yeah, that's it for today. Um, thanks for listening. And thanks again to our sponsors, Asana Yoga Center at asanacenter.com and Roots Market Cafe at rootsmarketcafe.com. Both are open for business at their locations downtown on Lincoln Way. So visit their websites to learn more. We here at Welcome Project Radio love to support our local businesses.
2: And if you enjoyed the stories you heard today, you can find more stories like this one on our website at welcomeproject.valpo.edu and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to support us, you can go to wvlp.org slash support. And Dana, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. <laughs> thank you for having
3: me.